Today, the Below Average Joe's MMA Show present the Weekend Preview. And we are talking everything and anything involving UFC 283 coming to you straight out of Brazil. Two title fights, the vacant light heavyweight title defended just a month after we were supposed to have a light heavyweight champion in the previous vacant light heavyweight title fight. And your co-main event, the fourth time that Davison Figueredo and Brandon Moreno will face off for the men's flyweight title and the people just can't get enough. We're also talking about the debut of Power Slap. All this and more, and it all starts right now. Welcome back, everybody. Thank you for joining us. Episode 261. And <laughs> we are here with another preview episode. I am joined by Dominic Salee. He is one half of the hosting duo. My name is Noah Baker. At least I, uh, what's left of him, anyways, because uh, your boy is running on fumes right now. I'm a very sleepy boy, but we will keep the energy high, keep the vibes high, and we will get through this. Because, Dominic, it's pay-per-view week. It's fight week. UFC 283 in Brazil. Honestly, kind of an underrated card, in my opinion. I actually was a little pleasantly surprised when I looked through it a little bit. I think it's one of those cards, Dom, where, sure, you have some great matchups on here. But I feel like we have a lot of showcase opportunities for some of the yep. bigger prospects on the come up for 2023. What do you think about this card and everything it has to offer? Uh, I think you put it perfectly, honestly. There are, obviously, we have two title fights. The main card, like the pay-per-view portion, is really, really good. Um, Brazilian talent all throughout the card, obviously. They're in Rio de Janeiro this weekend. But yeah, if you really dig through those prelims, there are just young up-and-comers that have very high potential, some of whom are even matched up against uh, one another. Let us not forget, the first one that comes to mind is the Terrence McKinney uh, versus uh, the Ishmael Bonfim. Both of the Bonfim brothers are on this card. Um, Jailton Almeida is on this card. Like, There's a lot of really solid talent here, and it could even be a showcase night for Brazil and their future uh, athletes that are in the UFC in MMA. So I'm excited. You know, we're getting back into it, right? We had the fight night last week. We get a pay-per-view this week. Now we really start to get into the flow of things. Get going in 2023 2023 for this sport we love near and dear. Noah, give me your thoughts as we get rocking. Well, it's funny you say that when next week we have no card. So we will go immediately back to a barren wasteland of no MMA for a week. But you are right. We are kicking it into second gear as we get through the month of january and uh this is a great start here and these two title fights are really good so i think we're just going to go ahead and dive into the main event um that sees the vacant heavy light heavyweight title to be decided hopefully this time barring a draw as dom likes to always say glover Teixeira, yeah the former light heavyweight champion the man who lost his title over the summer last year in the fight of the year 
Uh, I would say most people agree with that. Against Yuri Prohaska, he was arguably winning the fight until Yuri locked on a Hail Mary submission with about 30 seconds left. So a heartbreaking loss for Glover Teixeira. And I think we all sort of expected he would be back in a title fight. We thought an immediate rematch may occur. It was scheduled to happen to end 2022. But Dominic Yuri Prohaska has unfortunately got a very nasty shoulder injury. His timetable to return is completely uncertain. He didn't want to hold up the division. He vacates. You get a vacant light heavyweight title fight at the end of the year pay-per-view against um, excuse me, between Jan Blahovich, Magomed Ankalaev. Fight kind of stunk. It goes to a draw. Nobody really wins. A lot of confusion. Jan saying that he feels like Ankalaev should have won. You know, it was a weird scene. Immediately after the fight, I'm not even sure if the two guys who had just fought for the title had even showered. And they were announcing that this card would be headlined by Glover Teixeira and Jamal Hill for that very title that did not get an owner that night. So, weird path to get here. But Dominic, I love this fight. Glover Teixeira, Jamal Hill, two guys in completely different points of their careers. This could very well be the final fight of Glover Teixeira's just massive career, historic career. Uh, one of the all-time greats, especially for Brazilian MMA. And what a way this could be for him to go out in Brazil among his people, winning the light heavyweight title. But it's not going to come easy because he is the betting underdog as it stands. He's a plus 112. Jamal Hill is the younger, the more athletic, the harder hitter, the harder hitter <laughs> of the two. And he's dangerous. We've seen him improve over his last few fights. He had his first main event against Tiago Santos. He finished Santos in that fight. Jamal Hill is hungry for this this win, hungry for this title. I, I, a lot of people might remember his appearance on the MMA Hour. Uh, he gave that great little soundbite mm. about yeah. you know just wanting to know, um, just wanting to have a chance to know if he could really be that great, if he could be the champion. He's going to find out. I'm not doing it any justice, but Dominic, I did a lot of setting up here for this fight. Glover Teixeira, Jamal Hill, two guys, like I said, in completely different places in their career. How does that make you feel going in here? Obviously, Glover Teixeira has the home field advantage, but Jamal Hill has so many athletic advantages uh, of his own. Yeah, I've seen a lot of people talking about these betting odds throughout the week, and even like last week with Jamal being a favorite, albeit it's not that big of a favorite, but mm. a lot of people were not even, maybe not surprised, but just kind of like questioning it, like why is he the favorite? But I don't really share that same sentiment. I'm not shocked or surprised one bit that he's the betting favorite, and again, it's not all that big anyways. It's just I think you go with the guy. He's 12 years younger. He's on a three-fight winning streak. Uh, all of those have been coming by knockout. Glover is 43 years old. And, yes, like he took shots against Yuri, so you can say the chin's still there, and he's had a good layoff since that fight. I don't know, man. There's just something about Jamal Hill, the way that he has the power and precision. So when he lands the perfect shot, it tends to just put 
people away, man. I mean, I thought it was fascinating that he finished Tiago Santos because I feel like we never see Tiago Santos get finished. So this is definitely a very, very close fight, I feel like, because obviously if you want to side with Glover here, you probably think he could grapple uh, Jamal Hill in this instance. We've not seen him get tested there too much. The only time we have was with Paul Craig, and he lost that fight. So maybe Glover will look to grapple early and often, get him out of there quickly. I don't think that's out of the realm of possibility. And if Glover stays standing, I'm not going to completely rule him out. I just don't know if that's quite what you want to do over the course of 25 minutes. So I think there's two very clear paths here for each fighter, for the older fighter and Glover to grapple, for the younger fighter and Jamal to stay on the feet with his power. It's a good fight. It's a big test for Jamal to show where he's at. I mean, he's number seven. Like I said, he's on this win streak, but it is Jimmy Crute, Johnny Walker, and Tiago Santos. So, yes, it's good competition. They're ranked fighters. But now he's really kind of launching in to the deep end. He hasn't had to fight a Jan Blahovic, a Yuri, um, a Magomed Ankalaev. He hasn't had to do any of those guys just yet. Pause. <clears throat> Sound a little weird. But uh, it's going to be a good one, man. And if Glover can come out here and win the title in Brazil in what is likely his last fight, that is absolutely amazing. But let's think here. If it's his last fight and he wins the title, we're right back here at square one again come Monday when we're recapping <laughs> because we're still not going to have a champion. So I'm pumped for this fight. Tell me what you think. That is such an interesting wrinkle to this whole thing. It, it's kind of what makes me think that Glover Teixeira, if he wins, will not retire. Because I, I almost wonder, would the UFC really commit to giving him a title fight if he was basically saying... I'm out of here like after this. Like if he if he was making it yeah. known, which he's sort of done publicly, he sort of said I have one more left. You have to think behind the scenes, the UFC is like, look, we want to give you this shot. We got a big card in Brazil. But you can't retire if you win. You can't yeah. pull a GSP yeah. or anybody or a, or a Henry Cejudo and just leave the division high and dry. Especially because of what just happened last month. So all that aside, you know, we can speculate on that depending on what happens in the fight, but you, you really nailed it with the fact that each guy has a pretty clear advantage over the other. And that's why these odds as you know, they're very tight. And I think that's fair. I don't really care who the favorite is. It wouldn't have shocked me if Glover was the favorite. It doesn't really shock me that Jamal Mm -hmm. is because you got to look at what Jamal Hill's going to more than likely look to do here is he's going to look to hit hard and he's going to look to stay active on his feet and use a lot of movement to keep himself out of range from Glover Teixeira, who's going to look to close the distance, potentially clinch and drag Jamal Hill to the ground. You saw Paul Craig do that to great success. Jamal Hill not quite ready for that level of grappler. Glover Teixeira's clear advantage is to take this fight to the ground. But a lot of people would have said that with Yuri Prohaska, and it seemed like at times Glover Teixeira was a little bit more committed to keeping that fight standing and at times winning those exchanges. So Glover Teixeira can definitely make a good account of himself on the feet. It's just an uphill battle against a guy as young, athletic as Jamal Hill, as powerful as Jamal Hill. Yes, it worked at times against Yuri Prohaska, but it was not where Glover won that fight ultimately. And I think the same would be said here. If he sticks to a good game plan, keeps his mind in the right place, knows what path he needs to take to get the victory. 
I think he could very well walk out as a two-time light heavyweight champion. For Jamal Hill, you know, you're kind of right again about the fact that he's sort of passing the line in a lot of ways to get this opportunity. You know, I almost feel like he's a guy with nothing to lose here because he wasn't expected to be in the spot. You know, he, like, I I think his ranking, like you have it on here, number seven, you know, the guys he passed up to get this shot that he has not fought yet, his best win is against guys like Tiago Santos, who's not in the UFC, and Johnny Walker, who's lower on this card, actually. So he, he is a bit unproven in terms of how is he of the elite of the division. He's looked very impressive coming off that Paul Craig loss before and after that. He's looked very impressive. But it's a huge jump here to go to Glover to share. And I think that's where a lot of the surprise comes in those betting odds. So I can't fault anybody for it. But skill for skill, every fight starts on the feet. It's hard to look past what Jamal Hill is capable of doing here, even to a guy like Glover Teixeira. Yeah, I almost wonder if we could see a potential game plan similar to what Glover did with Jan Blahovich. I mean, he executed that damn near perfectly, and Jan had no answers because Jan wanted that on the feet, and he could not keep it there. So I think at least something similar to that is what we're going to see. Let us not forget when we were talking about Jamal, like skipping the line and stuff, he was scheduled to fight Anthony Smith. Uh, in March, they bounced him from that to put him on this card. So that was kind of that was the fight for him to get into that top five. But now he doesn't have that, so he's right into the deep end with a former champ, a seasoned veteran who's been there and done that. I think this is going to be a good fight, and definitely don't think it's going the distance either. No, on either side. Well, I am not going to make that same claim because I did that before uh, in the very fight <laughs> yeah. we talked about with Yuri Prohaska, Glover Teixeira. Um, the fight didn't go to yeah. distance, but for me, my claim was about the the fact that there was no chance for a submission in that fight uh, for Yuri Prohaska especially. So, you know, I'm just done making those kind of bold claims anymore because this could, for all we know, this is going to be like the most, uh, what, what are the chances we walk in or walk out of this fight, Dom, and we're like, wow, that fight made Adesanya Romero look pretty good. I hope zero. <laughs> I sure hope not, Noah. <laughs> anything's on the table but no i'm very excited for this fight and it's it's very intriguing when either guy feels like they have a really good chance here to win and speaking of that same kind of mentality of like either guy feeling like they have an edge on any given night your co-main event for the fourth time for the men's flyweight title davison figueredo the incoming champion slight underdog plus 104 takes on the interim champion, Brandon Moreno, the former men's flyweight champion, the assassin baby. And he's minus 125 as it stands. I'm actually, I'm more surprised by these odds than the main event. And I am, some people might think that's blasphemous, Dom, but I am shocked that Davison is the underdog. And it's not because of anything about the previous fights. They've all been great. In their own way, the first fight was a fight of the year back in 2020. Then the rematch happened summer of 2021. Moreno had one of the greatest performances of that year. One a, a moment seeing him with the belt brought a tear to my eye. 
And then the third fight happened at the very beginning of our pay-per-view calendar for 2022. And it was another awesome fight. Went the distance. Davison gets the title back. So it's very unpredictable what could happen in this fight because these two on any given night could get the better of each other. They're so evenly matched and clearly the top two flyweights in this division. What the big factor here, Dom, that's really swaying me towards Figueredo is stuff that's out of Brandon Moreno's control, but the entire James Krause situation and the fact that he's not really been able to train properly with James Krause as his coach. He's had to move his camp to Las Vegas, I believe, um, in preparation for this fight. Now, he's a professional. He's been doing this a long time. Maybe it's not an issue for him to be under these circumstances. But I know James Krause has got a lot of beef with a lot of people right now, and rightfully so. But we can't deny the guy was a great coach. At least he presented himself as a great coach. It seemed like a lot of his fighters had a lot of success. So for Moreno, he benefited a lot, I think, from James Krause's tutelage. And now without that, you know, could we see a compromised version of that? And even if he's still training the right way, still has the right guys around him to make him better and get him prepared for this, he's he sort of has stood by in terms of his public comments. James Krause. So since he still seems to have a good relationship with him, you have to wonder if this whole circus of news popping up every day, the entire MMA community speculating on maybe some of Moreno's teammates throwing fights and all this stuff, it's got to be a lot of noise for a guy who has prided himself on being a polite, nice, you know, no nonsense, no trash talk kind of guy. And now he's got like this big circus following him around just by his association. So that can't be great, but maybe it's a lot of nothing at the end of the day. Maybe he comes in here and puts up another great performance, but it makes me lean Davison. What do you think, Dom? Yeah, I didn't even really put any thought to that, but that is a lot of baggage to be coming in with. And uh, just to have all that on your conscience, like some of your buddies, your training partners, your coaches, you're just, it's kind of out of your hands, right? You're just like, well, I hope the best for them, but I have a title fight here. And if he if he comes in with a cloudy mind, Davison Figueredo is not the guy you want to fight when you're not 100% there mentally and physically because he can put you out at this 125-pound division. In terms of these odds, though, I think if I had to guess why it would be Brandon as a slight favorite, it's probably because we've at least seen him fight someone else other than Davison in the last two years. And it was a very, very good performance in a victory over Kai Carr France. Sure. Davison also had a hand injury. So he has not fought in almost a whole year uh, when they fought last year at the beginning of 2022. So maybe that has something to do with it, but still, I mean, we're talking almost to pick them here at the end of the day. This, these two guys were just born to fight each other. There's not been one boring moment in all three fights that they've had, let alone a boring fight as a whole. And I expect nothing less in this fourth fight. Um, I mean, it is literally one, one, and one. There's nothing else that can happen outside of a no contest, but let's just throw that out the window. Someone is going to end this rivalry <laughs> and win this rivalry at UFC 283 in Brazil. This is going to be a special, special moment. No, I mean, these two just on paper even are so 
evenly matched in terms of their skill sets with the striking, the jujitsu, and but in the grappling. But they both do it so differently, and I think that's why it's always so fun when they get in the cage. So let's just get in there and see who can uh, take this thing. Another factor for why Moreno may be the slight favorite is because we can't overlook the fact that Davison is massive for flyweight and has to cut a massive amount of weight to make that weight. Mm. So on any given fight, any given night, what's the cut going to be like? Is he going to be super drained? Kind of like how a lot of people assume he was in the second fight these two had. So, yes, he had a great bounce back in their trilogy. But, like you just said, it's been a year. He had an injury that kept him off. Maybe he was still able to train and keep himself active and busy. But there is questions about what kind of Davison we'll get. I guess I'm sort of banking on, in my prediction, that we are going to get a similar version to what we got in third fight. Mm -hmm. Also, Dom, I did want to mention... Um, kind of a funny thing about this fight. Is it just me or did I like, at least I know it is for me. I don't know if it is for other people. I like completely forgot that Moreno is one, the interim champ and two had a masterclass against Kai Car France to win that interim title. Not no slouch of an opponent, a guy who was completely surging, who we saw live in Columbus, who was like the biggest pop of the night yeah. outside of i guess bruce buffer or herb dean um yeah so i i guess um I, it just kind of surprised like i think i might like a, somehow for some reason that fight has sort of been forgotten at least for me and i haven't heard a ton of people really like this is at the end of the day it's a champion versus interim champion fight and maybe that just leads yeah. me more to my point that interim titles are such a fucking disgrace and no disrespect to Brandon Moreno, but here we are a year after the third fight and they are fighting again for the title. Why was an interim title ever introduced? There was no need for it. Davison is back a year later, less slightly less or whatever by today's count. What? the interim title got completely forgotten as soon as it was done and over with last summer. And it just leads to my point that like interim titles are so dumb, but again, I'm in this matchup. It feels somewhat fitting because these two are so evenly matched. So fair enough. Yeah, I agree. Like we always say, interim titles are basically just a number one contender spot unless a champion's out for like a year and a half or something. But, uh, another thing and this is just a tiny little tidbit because I, I don't know if it's officially like real or that he has said this, but I know that people have been talking about how Davison has kind of said this is going to be his last go around at 125. So goodness gracious, Noah, there could be in a there could be a world where <laughs> Glover wins the main event, oh, retires, no champion. Davison wins the co-main event, moves to 135, no champion. I mean, just imagine what the scenes that would be there. Uh, but really, we've been waiting on him to go to 135. So it does feel like, man, you can only do this so many more times. People are talking about the weight right. cut already, sharing the pictures of him already, like you kind of mentioned. So I just want him to make the weight. Obviously, this is coming out on Friday. So shortly after, they're going to be weighing in when this releases. Fingers crossed. Let's have a banger. <laughs> man, you just put a thought in my head of like, 
we could potentially have three titles that are vacant because not only these two, but the heavyweight title is now vacated. And, uh, yeah. man, if you went to the UFC champions page, you'd just be seeing a lot of nothing. <laughs> you'd be seeing just a lot of blank space. Um, like, what a time, man. So that that is an interesting thought. Um, but, Dominic, we're going to move on to something that really matters here. Not these fights, not this yeah. pay-per-view. The debut of Power Slap. This debuted on TBS Wednesday night. I don't believe Dom watched it. I did not watch it. But I did put it on here. We will talk about it this time and this time only because there was actually a lot of people who did watch it, it it appears. Uh, It got quite the social media presence from what I saw. A lot of people probably just out of morbid curiosity. But... You know, I'm not going to fault anybody for that. Now, Dom, I did see a lot of clips going around of Mm -hmm. different knockouts and just different things about this first episode. (laughs) Everything I saw, I was like, okay, like, just take the ultimate fighter and put, instead of MMA fighters, it's just people slapping each other. I'm like, what the hell is that? Like, you just ripped off your own product. Like, that... People already think the ultimate fighter is getting stale. Now you introduce this new sport or whatever you want to call it. And you basically just give it the same fucking like same exact outfit as what the ultimate fighter is. Like that was kind of ridiculous, but um, the knockouts were fucking intense. They were terrifying and didn't really like it. Didn't, didn't love it. Didn't love it, Dom. You know, I, I understand we watch a pretty violent sport in general. And, you know, there is this um, acceptance by the people who do this sport that you are putting not just your career on the line every time in there, but sometimes your livelihood, sometimes your ability to live a healthy, good life is on the line every time you step in there. They accept that. We accept that as the viewer. But there's something to the fact that these fighters can at least defend themselves. When you are watching this slap fighting, I mean, these are stationary, immobile targets. And you just rear back and slap as hard as you can. I mean, what? how, how far is the line before we're talking about, like, just having straight-up murders on television as, like, a sport? Like, go back to the gladiator days like in the coliseum what did you think dom yeah this is just gross i've never really liked all these video clips that we've seen over the past year like where it had like there's a lot they apparently they get a lot of views and stuff but uh i don't know i'm shocked that tbs is airing this and who would have thought i'd come on here one day and say that i there actually is a chance i'd watch bare knuckle over something Maybe I'd watch bare knuckle boxing before power slap because at least they can fucking defend themselves. Like Noah said, man, the fact that they just stand there and take damage to the head is just an uncomfy feeling. I do not like it. I, the last thing I want to see is a horrific injury, uh, in uh, associated because regardless that it's not MMA, it's going to be associated with MMA because Dana spearheading it and the UFC people backing it. So, man, God forbid something bad ever happens. Uh, I don't know how long this is going to go on for on TV, if it's going to be renewed for another season. I guess that's going to come down to viewership. So we shall see. I know a lot of, like, the MMA Twitter, like, loyalists of MMA were kind of 
talking bad about it, how they didn't want to give it any time of day and how that's kind of the best way to go about it, blah, blah, blah. So I do wonder week by week how that viewership will go because you know it's just going to be, like you said, a lot of people that are just curious. Hmm, I see Power Slap on the TV guide. Wonder what this is. So uh, we'll see. We'll see how long it goes on for, man. But uh, I will not be tuning in. That's for damn sure. Yeah, I mean, we try to support the UFC and MMA, anything MMA related. And that's that's the thing. This isn't even MMA. It's not even. But they keep tying it as close as they can to the UFC machine. They literally just painted it like like a lip, like putting lipstick on a pig. Saying, hey, here's the ultimate fighter, but with people slapping the fuck out of each other. You got Dana White super involved with it. You have, like you said, the UFC personnel. The UFC is tweeting it out. They didn't even put this much into the goddamn surfing show that Dana did like a year ago. At least surfing. I mean, goddamn. Like, at least there, you can fucking swim yourself to fucking life. Here you're just taking brutal hits to the dome every. I I just, I I don't understand what Dana's doing, man. Like what what is this? Like what are we doing? Yeah. Like why are you putting know. so much time, money, and effort into this? This is this isn't this is just not it, man. And I and I get it. Yeah. Like all I have to do is just not watch. But it sucks because it's so closely associated with MMA. Exactly. We feel like we're going backwards a little bit, Dom. I mean, Dana yeah. remembers the time when MMA had to fight off all these accusations of being human cockfighting and all this shit and how these fighters were just these savages that just wanted to kill yeah. and all this stuff. And now you bring in something that's more horrific in the kind of brain damage it can cause and basically say, hey... This is like our little side project. It's not in the UFC, but it kind of is because it sort of looks and feels like the UFC's product in a lot of ways. And hey, here's Dana White. Yeah. So I that's where it just kind of irks me is that it just feels like by association, there's that word mm-hmm. again. It feels like over yep. time if this if this picks up steam, uh I already saw this the cover of Sports Illustrated for this month had power slap on it was talking about how horrific this is. So it's, it's building a lot of traction, both positively and negatively. So if this continues on TV for an extended period of time, inevitably Dom, it's eventually going to come right back to MMA and people are going to, we're going to start reverting backwards. We're going to have to start fighting off. Yeah. They're going to be like MMA. Is that that sport where they just slap the fuck out of each other? And I'm going to fucking, end everything when i hear that so um yeah, yeah not a fan yeah <laughs> uh yeah. the next the next story here dom uh tip of the iceberg as i'm putting it doesn't it's this isn't really a it's not a good story here it's a bit of an update on the whole james Krause situation and dominic jeff molina a fighter that we are both a pretty big fan of in the ufc he's been suspended indefinitely for alleged involvement in the ongoing James Krause investigation. It appears by no, there's not been anything credible on this, at least that I've seen, but a lot of the, I guess, assumption or speculation is that Jeff Molina was somewhat of like the right hand guy of James Krause through this. 
And again, we don't know how deep this goes, but I put tip of the iceberg for a reason because with every day, with every week, with every month, we keep getting worse and worse headlines involving this situation. I just don't know where it ends, Dom. I don't know where it ends. It feels like we kind of nipped it in the butt with the whole different, you know, Canada and part of the United States not allowing betting on MMA bouts and UFC bouts. Feel like we kind of maybe cleared that one, but I feel like there's just more hurdles that we're going to have to clear. I worry about when you have an active fighter in Jeff Molina being implicated potentially in this investigation. You know, what does that mean for his previous fights? You know, now that's going to be questioned. You look at his reaction, and that what a lot of people are mentioning, when he got that very controversial split decision win against Zalgaz Zamugelov, and he almost looked disappointed by the fact that he got the victory. Like, again, none of this is confirmed or anything. It's all speculative. But it just, I hate the direction this is going, but I feel like there's not an end in sight. I feel like it's only going to get worse, Dom. Yeah, it's it's no doubt in terms of like this camp um, that basically everyone in that gym that's a fighter, especially for the UFC, will have to go through a very long investigation in all of their fights and betting activities and so on and so forth for that specific camp. So yeah, it could be the tip of the iceberg. Um, in terms of like the whole scenario... I saw some more updates today. The uh, Department of Integrity is now partnering with the UFC and whatnot to monitor, go through all the betting odds and stuff going forward, uh, making sure to just keep the sport clean and make sure there's no room for anything like these accusations to happen. So at least in the, the grand scheme, that's a good step. But again, for this one, where it all started with the James Krause situation and his camp and his fighters, that's where I just really don't know when this snowball will finally hit a wall and stop. That's the biggest thing here, I believe. Yeah, you completely nailed it. I mean, not really much else to say. I'm sure there will be more coming out about this in the future. It, it It's really, it just, it sucks when a guy like Jeff Molina, who showed a lot of promise, who mm-hmm. was looking so good in the UFC, and, you know, to for this to like you know for all we know this is that means we may never see him fight again i mean he i don't know how far this will go but that could be it and i mean just what a tough way for a guy with such a promising career to go out i'm not saying i feel sorry for him i don't really know his situation i don't know his involvement i don't know his mindset Mm. going in here if he's trying to be devious or whatnot all i'm saying is it's unfortunate because he did show right. a lot of promise, so just a shame. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's get into the rest of UFC 283. Some good fights here to talk about. Gilbert Burns taking on Neil Magny. This fight kind of snuck up on me, Dom. Um, I kind of forgot about this one being booked. And, you know, I'm happy for Neil Magny. This is a pretty, I mean, I'm a little surprised that he's getting this uh, this level of fighter. But, I, you know, I respect him. I think he's earned it. Because he did win our Joey for All Reliable. He is constantly stepped up and taken every challenge the UFC have given him. And I feel like in some ways this is like a, their way of saying thank you. Not an easy fight by any means. Gilbert Burns is a dog. And he's a heavy favorite here. But it is a massive opportunity for Neil Magny. And for Gilbert Burns, 
an opportunity to put on a bit of a showcase if he really is as big of a favorite as it seems like he is. So, Dom, any thoughts on that one? Yeah, Gilbert coming in at minus 475, Neil Magny plus 360. How many times, Noah, <laughs> have we talked about on this show, Neil Magny will get to that that one fight, that big fight, but he, mm-hmm. he, he won't break through. He can't win it. Here you go again. And arguably, this is the biggest that he's ever gotten in all of his 28 fights so far in the UFC. This being number 29, you're fighting number five, Gilbert Burns, who has fought for a title, nearly beat Kamaru Usman in their title fight, um, is in his home country of Brazil. I mean, Gilbert Burns kind of putting it all on the line here in a way. Like, he didn't have to take this fight by any means. So I do respect him for that. And Neil, man, wouldn't it just be crazy if he can break through here in Gilbert Burns' home country to get the biggest win, that would be absolutely massive. The way in which this fight will play out is also fascinating because you kind of always know what you're going to get from Neil for the most part. You know, he's he's gotten better, I guess, in terms of his all-encompassing game, but he, he loves to be clinch-heavy and utilize his long limbs to kind of just control you for the most part, and he'll, of course, strike. Gilbert has the, the shorter stature, but he's got the big, heavy power underrated grappling and jujitsu we just don't get to see him use it as often so i don't really know like a lot of people have been leaning for gilbert burns to win by finish and whatnot but neil doesn't necessarily get finished that often people mm-hmm. leaning with neil are probably thinking round three <clears throat> victory or a decision this is just a fascinating matchup man i of course lean gilbert burns but as i say that i don't really know how he will win this fight like i don't think he's going to go out there and beat neil the same way that he beat Stephen Wonderboy Thompson, for example. So, I don't know, man. This is an interesting mm-hmm. one. Yeah, it's tough to picture how this fight really goes. Like, it, like the way both guys normally win their fights, it's hard to imagine them doing that to the other. So, that makes it more yeah, fun, I think, yeah. when, you, when a fight feels that unpredictable. Um, your next fight, mm-hmm. women's flyweight division, Jessica Andrade taking on Lauren Murphy. Jessica Andrade still not choosing a division. She's been kind of hopping back and forth. She, of course, was the last woman to beat Amanda Lemos uh, in a main event at strawweight. And now she's back at flyweight. Uh, both former title challengers. Jessica Andrade, a massive favorite as well. She's minus 500. But Lauren Murphy has prided herself and has, you know, really sort of embodied a bit of that underdog spirit uh, in her career. And she's done pretty well. Like, you know, say I can say whatever I want about her being in that title fight and whatnot and how good she, really she is. But she keeps kind of finding a way to win and keep herself relevant. And that's definitely mm-hmm. something noteworthy for a matchup like this. I mean, I think Jessica Andrade is going to smash here, is going to, like, look great. But, you know, Laura Murphy, if she can have a good IQ, like keep things smart. Don't take big shots. Don't take big risk. She could really find herself getting a decision victory here, but I, I don't think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. No, Lauren is good at what she does, but the way in which she wins, I don't think can work against Jessica Andrade. I actually already have placed my first bet of the uh, event earlier this week. And I brought Jessica Andrade from minus 500 money line to plus 110 to win by finish. I get it. Lauren Murphy, five losses in her career. She's only been finished one time. That's impressive, right? But there's just something about Jessica Andrade. She is a bad mama-jama when she gets in that cage, Noah. The last time she fought in Brazil, let's not forget, she dumped 
Rose Namajunas on her poor head and won the title, and now she's back in Brazil again with yeah. a chance to get to another title fight. I just, I, I, I don't think Lauren can get the win here. I'd be very, very surprised. This would be probably like the biggest upset on the card for me, even like more than Shamil beating Jalton Almeida. I just think Jessica <laughs> will probably, probably roll here. Yeah. Our opener for our main card sees Paul Craig. It's me. It's me. It's my cock. You are sporting the traditional Scottish kilt. What is under? Yes, please. You want to see? It's my, it's my, it's my. Your kibbles and bits? It's my, it's my cock. No. (laughs) Taking on Johnny Walker. Interesting matchup here. You know, don't, like, I don't have a ton to say about these guys. Like, I feel like we know who they are at this point. But then they both kind of show up one fight and look great. And then the next fight is like super just underwhelming. It almost feels like for these two guys, they only excel in the right matchup. Like if you take them out of a matchup where they can't just implement their exact plan of attack, they don't really have anything to fall back on. And it's a shame because we like guys like Paul Craig and Johnny Walker, you know. But mm-hmm. I don't. God, looked at the looked at the sheet. I just saw Dom with the insert the cock in all caps. So uh, you guys are welcome for that clip. But um, yeah, that it's just a shame that like I feel like there's a lack of consistency with both of these guys. They are mm-hmm. very much oh, yeah. in the middle of the in middle of the pack, maybe even above the middle of the pack slightly. But on any given night, I feel like these guys could lose to anybody and also could beat anybody. It's just like the matchup is very dependent on how these two do. So anything you'd like to add for that one? Um, Honestly, no, because it's just Paul Craig was rolling, man. He had one four in a row, but when he went into that Mm. fight with Vulcan, I just feel like a lot of things got exposed. When you're going up against... I mean, Vulcan's not really championship caliber like he once was, but he's still solid. So when he's fighting against guys of that echelon to have a performance like that, that was just iffy. I, we kind of told our buddy that's kind of why the odds are like this, at least in my opinion, because of Paul's last fight, not necessarily because of Johnny Walker's last fight. So we'll see. I mean, I, I want to say it'll be exciting, but then again, like Noah said, with the inconsistency sometimes, I don't really know. I don't really know what's going to happen here, Noah. <laughs> I expect this fight to be a complete shit show, but I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> Our next fight, Dom, we may see another retirement yeah. on this card for another Brazilian legend. Shogun Hua is back, and he is a pretty big underdog against a guy who's yet to win in the UFC and Eeyore Pateria. What do you think about that, Dom? You, Since you are the one of us that is allowed to bet on MMA... When you see Shogun Hua, who's an absolute legend in sport, having the home field advantage in Brazil, and he's taking on a guy who's yet to win in the UFC, is 0-1, unproven, has not, doesn't come from some big promotion before the UFC. What do you think when you see Eeyore Pateria as a big favorite? I don't know, man. I, Shogun is going to be his 42nd fight, 41 years old. He's been there and done that. 
but a decent amount of inactivity the past few years. I mean, at one point he was kind of retired and then came back and he fought OSP in May of last year and lost the split decision. So, which, yes, I guess that means it was a close fight per se, but it is weird to see a guy. Yeah. He's, he lost his, or won on the contender series and lost against a Negare Moreno. I always mess up his last name. I, it's gotta be just like the age, right? And the, just the younger guy, probably the more powerful guy at this point is probably why the odds are this way uh, for Ihor. But I guess we'll see. It would be awesome to see Hua get a win in his final fight in Brazil. I mean, what a moment. We could have all kinds of amazing moments for the Brazilian athletes on this card, potentially. But uh, I don't know. I, I will say tell you this, since you kind of did bring up the odds, I'm probably not going to be touching this one. Maybe... Uh, maybe not to go the distance, but I don't know the odds on it yet, but likely won't touch it. Yeah, I just, I understand Shogun who, uh, I feel like these odds say a lot about Shogun and where he's at in his career and that he probably should have retired. Yeah, it's gotta be. You know, a couple years ago. Yeah. But man, I just, for a guy as unproven as Pateria here, like you just, you gotta think like even, even just the experience level that Shogun has could be enough to get him a win over a guy like this. But you know, maybe this is the showcase for Pateria. I don't know. I just, I look at these odds and I'm like, man, like you almost, I almost want to just throw a flyer out on, on uh, Shogun, you know, at those odds. But um, like I've said before, when you look at odds, Dom, and you go, that doesn't make any sense. You should likely go with the side that you think makes no sense because these odds makers just know more than we do. And and if the 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 key to being a decent sports gambler, which is all I am, is that you don't fight the odds makers. You just have to try to figure out like they are playing a game, and you are trying to guess where their brain is in any given matchup. That's it. You don't fight it. You embrace it. You embrace their their brain. That's it. Um, But that's really it for this card, Dom. I will just mention. Uh, some of those showcase opportunities on this card, RoboCop, Gregory Rodriguez is on here. I'm excited to see him back. JL Almeida yeah. is my pick to be like the fastest rising guy this year at heavyweight. Uh, he's a minus 1,000 against Shamil Abdurrahimov. Yeah. That one should go well for him. And then Terrence McKinney's on this card. I'm excited to see him back. He's, one, like you mentioned, taking on one of the Bonfim brothers. The They both won on the... Same contender series card. They're both in action on this card. Terrence McKinney only a minus one twenty against. Uh, I believe he's fighting yeah. Ishmael Ishmael Bond. Yes. So I'm uh, very interested in that one because you know, Dom, when you see that, that's that's one of those examples I'm talking about. Like if the bet the gambler in me would really want to go Bond theme right there, because you look at his contender series performance, he can really grind out a victory if Terrence McKinney. Anything has been proven from his UFC career. He's super explosive, but he gives it everything he has, but he doesn't quite have the gas tank to last up at that level for three rounds. So it's an interesting matchup. I'm looking forward to it for sure. Uh, So, yeah, that's it for UFC 283. But, Dominic, there's only one way we end the show around here. That's what the little thing we like to call closing statements. The point of the show where Dominic and I can talk about anything and everything MMA related or not. So Dominic, do you have any closing statements for this edition of the show? 
so I'm actually hitting a food one for the first time in quite some time, but not necessarily like a uh, a big soundbite or a debate or me getting shit mm. on for my terrible food. Although, Noah, <laughs> I, I kind of finished on the winning end the last couple, but I, I'm still, you know, whatever. But uh, recently, last week, a week ago when you're hearing this, went to B-Dubs first time in a while. We've talked about B-Dubs, our fair share on here. Noah and I have our fair share of memories at B-Dubs as well. And I tried their new uh, boneless wing bar pizza. They've got two of them. I did the barbecue chicken one because not only is that barbecue chicken, but they put buffalo sauce on it anyway, so I saw no need to get the buffalo one. And let me just tell you, Noah, there's one thing, right? We've talked about the sauces from B-Dubs and the wings and comparing them, prices, size, all that fun stuff. But I'll tell you, I respect one thing about B-Dubs, and it is that they do have a good variety of food there. You don't have to go there and just get wings to get a, a good little meal. And this was a good example for me. I've been wanting to try it. I tried it. Only $9.99, by the way. Ate the whole damn thing. Felt pretty damn full afterwards, too. Solid meal. Highly recommend. Mm. And just in general, B-Dubs food and their fries, it's pretty good stuff. Yeah, I mean, I, I it's very good comfort food for me. <laughs> um it's a great atmosphere to watch sports game. So, you know, it's it's great for watching sports. The wing sauces are great. The chicken is shit, but that's okay. It's because you just get it wet, drench it in that wing sauce, and it's fine. Um, but, no, I had seen those on the menu, but I, 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 I can't help myself when I go there. I got to get wings uh, just by themselves. Mm. I will say the, the one item on that menu that keeps – I, I just am so a bit like how people watch the power slap out of morbid curiosity. When I look at B Dub's menu and I see those fucking bird dogs, have you seen those? <laughs> I saw it on the menu for the first time last week. I'm like, what the hell is going on here? I didn't get it. May have to try. <laughs> <laughs> those bird dogs just keep looking at me and I'm like, man, just out of curiosity. Like it's <laughs> it, it there's no way that it's that good. But it's just like you just yeah. look at it and you're like, man, they put a lot of shit on the bun, so maybe it's all right. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, that's good, Dom. I'm glad to see you're branching out, you know. You're really trying new things with your B-Dubs bar pizza. That's uh, quite cultured of you. I have nothing yes. for today because I am a sleepy boy who needs his rest. So uh, my name's Noah Baker. That is Dominic Slee. We are but just two of the Below Average Joes, and we'll see you guys on Monday.